Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you might go. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. We just want to honor you today for the love, the labor of love that you are um, committed to with your children, um, with your wives. And we just want to say that your work is an eternal work and it's going to bear much fruit as you continue to give yourself to it. So God bless you on this day. We honor you for all that you're doing. Uh, we're going to continue our message or our series rather today, which is called Justice. And today's message is actually going to be entitled, Do Not Become Weary in Well-Doing. And we know that right now everyone is dealing with emotional fatigue. And with so many conflicting voices, we desperately need God's perspective found in his word when we're talking about this idea of justice. We want to continue to ask the question, how do we move from a place of simply observing the injustices to actually being a part of the solution? So today, to answer that question, we're going to focus on this statement, that to participate in true biblical justice, we must not become weary, we must continue to do good, and we must continue to preach the gospel. We hope to provide you with resources during this time that will help you accomplish these directives. So you'll want to keep something out with which you can take notes today. So before we do anything else, why don't we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today that continually demonstrates to us your heart your wisdom, and your ways. God, we're praying that in this hour, you would show us what you're doing and give us the grace to join you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start with not becoming weary. To realize biblical justice, we cannot become weary in doing good. We know this because as the Apostle Paul was preaching in the midst of the Roman Empire of the first century, we see him writing a letter to a church in the region of Galatia. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says this, that we cannot be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows in his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So when we're talking about um, biblical justice, biblical justice we need to understand as a part of sound theology. And you see it in the character of God and represented not as a part, but as a focus throughout scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see this starting even in the Torah, which are the first five books of the Bible when Moses was writing, giving the law to the Israelites of the commands that they were to obey as God brought them into the promised land that they would occupy. And in Deuteronomy 16, starting at verse 18, God through Moses said this, you shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice 
and you shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice, and only justice, you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So we see when we're trying to understand the importance of this issue or this topic of justice that we might have a tendency just to want to move past, Justice is God's mandate that deals not just with the heart condition of partiality, but also with this idea of inequality. And injustice is inequality on display when rewards and judgments are distorted by our sin expressed towards others. Now, injustice does not, or inequality rather, does not just apply to racism. It also applies to things like sexism. It also applies to things like ageism. It also applies to things like xenophobia, which the Oxford New American Dictionary um, uh, defines as an intense or irrational dislike of people from other countries or nations. It includes all of the sinful biases maintained in the heart in the heart of humanity. And though there are plenty of people within societal structures who are trying to do what is biblically just, the issue of justice needs to be attended to again and again because people within in their hearts within these structures perpetuate dominant narratives that need to be uprooted. This is why the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that injustice anywhere is literally a threat to justice everywhere. And in an hour like this, you should be as proactive to understand justice as you would be going to a work meeting where you had to give a presentation in front of a live audience. You need to educate yourself like your job depended on it because someone's quality of life, and as we've seen in the past several weeks, someone's literal life actually does depend on it. You want to educate yourself about the statistics regarding the history of ongoing systemic inequality within our culture that brought us to this boiling point that we see today. We want to recommend at least four things as you are introducing yourself to the history of injustice within our communities and how to respond biblically to it. The first resource that we obviously want to give you is the Bible itself, where you can, through it, understand the nature of humanity and God's solution to its fallen state. Secondly, we want to recommend a documentary to you entitled 13th, about the 13th Amendment of the United States, and it speaks about the penal system within America as it's functioning today. Number three, many of you might have already seen this movie, but it's a movie on Amazon video called Just Mercy, which is a modern example of the cracks in our U.S. justice system. And if you've already seen that already, you might want to go on to another Netflix movie called Time, the Caliph Browder story, also on Netflix, which is a true story about another crack or a gentleman who experienced the cracks of our U.S. justice system. But finally, number four, we want to recommend to you the book called Woke Church by Dr. Eric Mason to have a foundational biblical response 
to these issues of injustice with the word of God, with biblical justice and how we're to approach these issues as a church. Now, biblical justice results in the godly, fair and discerning treatment of individuals. It's an outward expression, not just a condition, but it's also an action. Righteousness can be an action that's taken in our relationship with people. As Dr. Mason said in his book, justice points to the extrinsic execution of the heart of God. And righteousness means intrinsic impact by the heart of God. Now, put another way, that means that as God impacts your heart by his righteousness and moves on you by the Holy Spirit, it should produce in you action that's extrinsic on behalf of justice in your interrelating with other people. And we see God's mandate to execute justice in scriptures such as the following. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 6 and 7, God again said through Moses, you shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. Leviticus 19.15 went on to say, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Now, when we hear things like this, again, the recent movie Just Mercy was based on the true story of Walter McMillan, who was falsely accused of the 1986 murder of a woman named Rhonda Morrison in Alabama. The manner in which the proceedings took place was an example of these injustices to which the Bible is actually speaking. Being educated, though, about these things and moving as communities to act justly on these issues can lead to things like uh, what we saw recently. And on June 12th of this year, June 12th, this month, uh, there was a repeal in New York, uh, New York City of 50A. And this is an example of reform that can take place in regards to things like police misconduct within affected communities. And what we must see is that this is a Kairos moment where the God of heaven and earth is opening a door for change. But even as he's doing this, the question to ourselves is, where will our interests lie a year from now? Some people are acting like they just watched a movie and this issue should already be over. Yet we need to be aware of the fashionate ideals to which uh, social commentator Tim Elmore speaks only taking up causes because they're fashionable. We need to instead ground our convictions in the heart and word of God, which are rather eternal. And when we do so, we see that biblical justice is achieved through the Holy Spirit fruit of faithfulness reflected in what I like to call prolonged empathy. Proverbs 3 verses 3 through 4 talks about it this way. He says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success 
in the sight of God and man, when we have love and faithfulness never leaving us. So if you say that you're tired of talking about injustice, think about how tired people are of experiencing the discrimination, the unjust killings, and the fear that haunts their families on a daily basis. Someone recently said that it is a privilege to educate yourself about racism rather than experience it. And it's also what the prophet Jeremiah alluded to whenever he was talking in uh, Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 14 that people have this mentality where when sin is being exposed by God, we just want a quick fix to get past it. But Jeremiah said, they have healed the wound of my people lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And we have a tendency, just like the people in Jeremiah's time, to just want a quick fix, yet we cannot just move on from this. If you try to move on and walk on an injury too quickly, many of you who are athletes realize this, what can happen is that the wound won't actually heal. And the problem, whether it be a broken bone or broken relationship, can actually persist and get worse. Societal change, we need to embrace this. Societal change actually takes time. And you have to think about even the history that we're pushing against in the midst of our country that legalized American slavery lasted 246 years. Legalized segregation that followed that lasted another 89 years. And we've been living in a post-segregation society for only 56 years. Some of you who are watching are actually older than that. And that means that most of your grandparents were living as a part of a legalized ethnically biased society and what has been on display recently that is or recently shows that we have so much further to go before the issue is actually over but how do we expect to move past this issue so quickly when it has been so deeply entrenched in our society it has been what has been presented to our parents as norms and what's been created as subconscious validated expectations in our interactions with one another. Think about though, um, to counteract these things with justice, even the efforts that were made in the 20th century civil rights movement that brought us to the good places where we find ourselves today. The Birmingham movement lasted 37 days. The Greensboro sit-ins lasted six months. The Freedom Rides lasted seven months. And the Montgomery bus boycott lasted 382 days. So what we need to do is not become weary in doing good, but instead reject fashionable activism and instead choose to take up our prophetic voice for biblical justice. And when we do, we'll realize that biblical justice, to realize it, we must take godly action that follows a prophetic voice. And we've spoken previously about becoming a voice, but it needs to be a prophetic voice from God and not just our own. When we speak of becoming a prophetic voice, it means not 
rewriting scripture or adding to scripture in any way, but at its base, it means being a mouthpiece for what God has already said and will always say in regards to biblical justice. We must be God's prophetic voice to our culture and not simply our own. This begins with godly character and it leads to godly action. And if we live, respond, and sound like the rest of the world, we lose our place in shaping society with the love, wisdom, and eternal purposes of Christ. This is resonant of Jesus saying that the salt, which we're to be, the salt of the earth, can actually lose its saltiness. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus famously said in Matthew chapter 5, 13, that you, church, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He said, instead, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And as the people of God, we should be Christ's, not our own, but Christ's prophetic voice of justice and reconciliation, not just a cultural echo chamber of the anger that we see around us. Whenever God was anointing and appointing the pro Israeli prophet Jeremiah to deal with the sin of his time in his land, he said this to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, meaning Jeremiah's mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And what he was talking about is the sin in people's hearts and the sin that was pervading throughout the land. He was going to be a prophetic voice to deal with those issues. And as what we need to know is that a civilization cannot be repaired or built while living in a determined state of faction. Demonstrations are meant to bring awareness and highlight necessary conversations. And if done God's way, they will pluck up culturally rooted evils, break down divisions, overthrow demonic ideologies, and destroy the barriers of sin between God and man and between man and man. This is God's intention. The end goal is the termination of the injustices that have been systemic within our society to create an equal playing field before God for all humanity. Yet what do we do once this conversation begins? When it begins, we need to build and plant the truth. But to do so, do so, build and plant the truth, we need bridges. And we cannot burn bridges in our anger or our discomfort, meaning wanting to not deal with the issue or just run away from it. We cannot um, burn these bridges where Jesus is trying to build them through the cross. I want everybody to think about that.
We must instead be living epistles and not just talking heads. When Paul was exhorting the church in Corinth uh, during his ministry, he's talked about them being living epistles that the world could see what God had actually done in their life and how what God had done in their life was actually the solution to what was going on in their life. I'm so thankful that so many of our, in our church community are living in this Holy Spirit attitude of brotherly love and reconciliation across ethnic lines. And what were to be are living epistles that communicate this prophetically to the world so that the justice that God wants to bring can actually be seen through our lives. And Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 3, 2. He said, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so what we are is we are... We need to have lives that are able to be read and seen by everyone as the answer, God's prophetic voice and the answer to the justice that they actually seek. Our lives to be as a work of art uh, with God's gospel wisdom literally on display because we're called to be living epistles of God's justice and reconciliation. And in doing so, we look to bring the shalom of God, ask God to bring his shalom to all mankind within our cities. When God was continuing to speak through Jeremiah to the Israelites, when they were exiled into Babylon because of their sin, he instructed the Israelites this way as the they themselves were to be letters read by that community, by God's grace for what he wanted to do in that community. And he said, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And what that doesn't mean is just our neighborhood or our part of the city. In Chicago alone, there are at least 59 distinct neighborhoods, and we are called to seek the welfare of all of them in obeying this command, just as the Israelites in their time in Babylon did. We can start small and then build. And in his book, Woke Church, Dr. Eric Mason speaks about three levels of engagement in society that help promote biblical justice. He talks about number one, intervening justice, number two, preventative justice, and then number three, systemic justice. These three means of doing the good works to which God has called his people are particularly useful for helping to upend issues such as the school to prison pipeline within the cities in which we find ourselves. Defined by Dr. Mason, intervening justice is helping to meet the current needs of individuals who may be suffering. Uh, preventative justice is getting ahead of the issues that confront our communities through proactive biblical education and training. And systemic justice is bringing the gospel to systems within our city to seek 
their renewal. Now, things we've mentioned to you before that you can still do along with other people in the church are found in each of these categories. Examples of intervening justice can be things like volunteering with organizations such as Safe Families or the foster care system to serve the families within Chicago. Examples of preventative justice are supporting ministries like a house in Austin, in the Austin community, um, being led by one of our deacons, Krista uh, um, Gillespie. You can tutor children with Together Chicago Education Initiatives or through programs like the Jesse White Foundation providing uh, education to children in at-risk communities. We can bring financial peace education and investing courses to at-risk communities as well. These are all examples of preventative justice, but also examples of systemic justice are the justice centers spearheaded by the Together Chicago interdenominational ministry trying to address the loopholes or the cracks in our justice system within our city. If you want more information about these things, you can go to togetherchicago.com for more information. But what we need to know is that as we do these things, we need to remember that our prophetic voice continually reminds people of God's word in his eschatological ends. It is the mandate of the church to contextualize present human suffering with a preview of the end of the historic screenplay in which God himself will have the final word. And this provides both hope and a necessary check to all of our attitudes, activities, and judgments with the fear of the Lord. And this is why we need to be committed to continuing to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even as we're looking to justice, biblical justice in our land, the answer is found in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to realize biblical justice, we must continually preach the gospel. We are called to be ambassadors of God's gospel as central to the central to the solution of finding justice. This means that our understanding of the centrality of the gospel as God's foundational solution must be in all of our efforts for reform. It is because as people are changed by God, so are the systems that they govern. And so are the people who need to rise out of these unjust systems. When talking about the gospel, we need to see it as at least three things. Number one, the gospel is God's good news that is of first importance. It is Christ's life declaring that even in death, a new day is possible. And that's what we all need to hear, that a new day, despite our problems that we see in front of us, a new day is actually possible. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. He said, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is the gospel, the historic evidence of the faith that needs to be proclaimed to people, letting them know that God is in charge, God is eternal, God got hope even in the midst of the death that we're experiencing today. But number two, the gospel is God's statement that he understands injustice and suffering, where all of these other companies are having to make statements now forcible statements about what they think about racism and injustice to actually be socially validated. Now, God's gospel through Jesus Christ is his statement that he understands injustice and suffering because Jesus endured unjust criminal treatment at the cross. And the gospel is also God's statement of justice that he will deal with all things, even as we look to conform all things to his righteousness. Paul continued to talk in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, when he said, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That means that everyone, whether it be us or the people that we're pointing fingers at, everyone will appear before God's judgment seat and give an account of his, of our lives. And whether we did justice or we did injustice, God will judge it all. But it's God's statement that he understands injustice and suffering. But finally, Number three, the gospel is Christ's statement of hope. And it is God's divine invitation to new beginnings. That no matter if you started out as a racist, no matter if you started out as a victim of racism, no matter if you started out as one who perpetuated injustice or one who was the victim of injustice, what we see is that God himself gives an invitation to everybody who are all sinners to have a new hope, a new start in Christ Jesus. And Paul continued this in 2 Corinthians 5 13 when he said, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one. Again, he said, no one according to the flesh. This is the answer to racism, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, no matter where they started, no matter what sin they had, he is a new creation. The old has passed um, passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, the church, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, 
God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And again, the answer to biblical justice is the justice that Jesus provides for us through his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead on that cross. And Jesus came into the world that he created, which belonged to him, yet rejected him. There was an injustice in the crucifixion of Jesus that we will never fully comprehend. Being God incarnate, living sinlessly, and loving extravagantly, Jesus was crucified precisely because of who he was. Think of the injustice of that. And his crime was not what he said or what he had done, but it was his admission of being the only begotten son of God. And therein we find our savior, one who experienced the injustices of our world, yet never tired of doing what was good. One who spoke as the promised prophet of God, who would appoint to the world to its true salvation. One who was the gospel embodied, a living epistle that brings freedom to our hearts, freedom in our minds, freedom in our souls, and freedom in our spirits as we turn to him for true justice. He died on the cross satisfying God's justice for our sins and offered us forgiveness in spite of it. And by Christ's resurrection, we have the offer of new life as we turn to him in repentance and faith. So let's do so today as we look for a new day in our cities and in our land in Jesus' name. Never tiring of doing what's good, being God's prophetic voice, taking action from it, and then finally committing to the centrality, the first importance of the gospel of Jesus today and forever. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, if you are listening today and you say to yourself, you know what, I admit it. Through all the things that I've tried, even trying to be a do-gooder, I've tried to do good, I've tried to see change, I've tried to even get the junk out of my heart, but I've been unsuccessful in seeing the change, the true justice I've been looking for, whether it be in my interaction with other people or even in the ways that I, I, I can't get over perceiving others who are unlike myself. And today you say, you know what? I need a savior. I need someone to make me a new creation from the inside out. Would you come to God? Would you come to Jesus with me today to be that savior for you? And if you're ready to do that, knowing that God is going to judge both your life and mine one day in that eternal stance before him, would you pray this with me now before we meet him in that day? You can pray this with me if you want to make your peace with God. You can say, Almighty God, I admit to you today that I have been not just a victim, but also a part of the problems in the world that I see around me. 
And I admit to you today that not only can I point my finger at people's sins, but I'm full of sin and I, I deserve death and hell because of my sin. And I know I've rebelled against you and I deserve death and hell because of it. But I'm saying today that I don't want it and I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus lived perfectly, went to the cross for me sacrificially, and was raised three days later so I could have new life in him. God Almighty, would you make me a new creation today so that I could walk in the freedom of your good news and gospel? And would you teach me how to be an ambassador of your reconciliation? not being coming weary and doing good, but learning to be a prophetic voice for your true biblical justice in my time and in the land in which I live. In Jesus' name, God, I say you're my Lord today. Teach me to love you and follow you from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is that if you prayed that prayer, God says, according to his word that we just read, that you are a new creation. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely, would you go with me to secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find resources and also the next steps that we can take together in how to walk out this new life of reconciliation within Christ. So let's do that within a multi-ethnic community, which our church is today, and let's encourage one another unto the good works for true biblical justice that God has for us in our hour. And if you didn't pray that prayer today, but just want to pray with me for all of that's going on in our land, would you join me in this final prayer? Father, we thank you so much that you are sovereign and that on this Father's Day, you are our good heavenly Father with all times and all persons in your hand. And God, we're asking you that you would once again express your peace, that you would express your reconciliation, that you would bring men and women to repentance and faith during this hour. Where there's hatred, let there be forgiveness. Where there is pride, let there be humility released. Where there is uh, years of generational faction, God, we're again, through your gospel, asking that you would tear it down by the, the, um, the dividing wall of hostility, down by your good news, and give us the hope in the eternal life that you called us to, not one day, but now, in Jesus' name, amen. Even as we uh, finish today, some of you have been uh, stirred to remember that we need to look to the gospel of Jesus as our first and final solution to the ills of society. And would you, before we leave today, go to your app store and there download a free app called God's Not Dead. And as we are hoping to be ambassadors of this gospel to the world around us, this app is a training, an at-home training that you can do to understand the elements of the gospel and how to communicate it effectively to the world around you. So please download that today before you leave. And um, we just want to say we love you so much. We're praying for you. We look forward to seeing you at our community groups this week. And please do next week as we come to church, back together for church, please do bring a friend who also needs to hear the good news of Jesus. So God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord, and we'll see you next week. Amen.